evening, folks. Welcome along to another edition of the Irish F1 show in association with PFT Travel. Uh, thanks to uh, MJ for coming on board for another batch of episodes. Uh, PFT Travel Caring for all your transport requirements, from a private minibus to luxury air conditioned coaches, giving you the perfect solution each time traveling comfort driving style at PFT Travel. You can contact MJ on 87 or email pfarreltransport at yahoo.com. You can also find on Facebook there at pfarreltransport limited. And a shout out to Rapco as well. Our stickers have been very prominent around the Irish circuits over the last couple of weeks. So, uh, Big shout out to Rapco, so thanks, lads, for that. And thanks to everyone who's put stickers up on the cars. Uh, we probably wrap it this evening anyway. How's things, Bar? Even Kev, how are we? All good, thank you. Keeping well? Ah, sure, not too bad at all. And we've, we've, drafted, we've drafted in Mike Dormady. Thanks for coming in at the 11th hour, Mike. You're very welcome here on the RSF One Show. How are you? No worries, guys. The pleasure's all mine. How are you? Ah, sure, how are you, Mike? Fine. Now, look, I suppose uh, we'll have to explain firstly where Mr. Mr. Carney is. So, unfortunately, Mr. Carney had a bit of a tip yesterday. Uh, and yeah, hurt his foot, so he's out of action for a little while anyway. And uh, we want to pass on our regards and wish him a speedy recovery. I was chatting to him there earlier, and he was saying, I don't know, is he 23 or 24 years at this game? And I think it's the first proper bit of a shunt that's done a little bit of harm to him. So, you know, he's looking at the at the bright side of things, and uh, he's not done too bad, I suppose, if we're at that long, has he, in fairness? Oh, I'd, say, I'd say he's had more injuries on the on the pitch than on, on the racetrack, so he's probably he he, he he probably can't complain too much. But yeah, ho- hopefully he feels a bit better. He's a bit of a shunt there in Kirkstown, as we know. But he's uh, yeah, he's in good he's in good form. He, he won't he won't be long before he's back in the car. You can be sure of that. Yeah, Mike, it's funny. Right? I was only joking there yesterday. I was saying, you know, in all the years he's playing football, he never seemed to get injured. Now I don't know what that says about his football career, but the racing career hasn't been too bad, in fairness. So yeah. Um, <laughs> He's ever been in the wars quite a bit this year. He uh, took a bit of a tumble, I think, a few months ago as well, and, and cracked the ribs. So, yeah, well, that's yeah. what I said. They get like the rest of us now. The bones are getting more brittle as the age goes on. So maybe that's what it is. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> must be. Must be something like that. How will you guys? You've been out and about. Have you the last couple of weeks? Tell us what's happening. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I haven't been. I haven't been in the car now myself. Kind of more or less off this year, but. Uh, yeah, we took a spin down to the um to the Mandela Historic Festival there a few weeks ago. Um had a look at that. I seen Mike his car was out in the hands of the Bell Richie, so he was he was going well in it. Um good good event down in Mondello there at the um the, the Irish Grand Prix, which might be a little bit of a stretch. I don't know how much of a Grand Prix it was, but anyway, that's marketing I suppose. But uh yeah, good day out. Good to see what can be done in Mondello when a bit of effort gets put in and a bit of advertising. The place was packed and uh Great atmosphere, you know. So it was uh, it's a good day out. That's that that that's been my modest part fix now for the, the last couple of weeks, and of course watching a bit whatever a bit of indie car and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would be oh, great. Yeah, Barry, to see, it would be great, Barry, wouldn't it, to see even some of those crowds at a normal race event in Mandela, wouldn't it? Just just to to drive past the grandstand when you're when the sweat is in your eye in your eyebrows and and you look up and you see it full. Means a lot, yeah. doesn't it? So it'd be, it'd be really, really nice to see some of that crowd perhaps there uh, in a fortnight's time when we go back. Yeah, yeah. As you see, we know that you're you're there, right, Mike? The, the ICCR was billed as doing that sort of stuff. You know, that's what it was. That's what it was sold to us as that it was going to, mm-hmm. you know, bring the crowd in and blah blah blah. And hasn't really done that as of yet. But the 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 the, the historic festival um, shows that when there is an appetite to do it as opposed to necessarily you know it, 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 there's nothing there that that would be unique that we couldn't put together in a normal race meeting but when the appetite is there to actually put the effort in and to do it 
um, the results will come. So hopefully some lessons were learned there from Mandela and their management and they can, uh, you know, put that into effect for the, the current stuff because, you know, there's a bit of a bugbear in mind, but we seem to live in the past in this country, you know, and on, on past glories, it's all about this lad that did a race 40 years ago or this, you know, this car did something to it. Don't get me wrong, I love the her heritage of our sport. I read probably more books and magazines on it than most people, but um, we got to move forward too and stop living yeah. on past glories. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of good kids doing great things in fairness as well, don't we? Like you mentioned, Young Dunn, uh, not too long ago, and that's just one off the top of my head. Um, you know, their, their time, their time's coming as well. Yeah, well, well, just on that, Alex Dunn was racing today in British F4 in Truxton. And um, yesterday he had two pole, it's a triple header meeting the way they do it. So you get wherever you qualify, that's where you start the first and the third race from. And then the middle race is a top 10 reverse. So he had a double pole, which is as much as you can do. He won the two races that he was on pole position for. And um, he had a coming together in the middle race, the reverse grid one, went to the back of the grid and got back to 10th. Um, and today in the, the TV televised race on ITV, he um, he won, I think it was 11th race of the season, which is no one in British F4 history has won that yeah. amount of races in a season. And there's still six races to go. So yeah. that's that's the level we're talking about there. Like Alex is the real deal. There's no question about it. So um, another great point yeah. championship. Yeah, it's magic. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah he's, got a, he's got a championship lead that Max Verstappen would be happy with. Like Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> 100, what is it, Mike? 106 points or something? Like 106, that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, more than Max even has, you know. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's uh, we need we need to be looking forward to, and you know, we've lads like James Rowe Jr. over in, in America, um, yeah. in on the IndyCar circuit. That's uh, he's had a bit of a tough year. With a, he moved teams there recently and instantly shot to the top of the practice times. Um, at the, once he moved teams, he you know, he got, got himself into a better car and. Um, you know, there's pl plenty of lads out there that we 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 could be showcasing just as much, not instead of, but just as much of maybe you know the lads from forty years ago. Yeah, Young Don, does he have what it takes to go up through the Fs? Yeah, why? I know we, we, we don't like I don't like chatting about about kids either because I don't want to put yeah, like I don't want to put pressure on them in that context. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? But, no. Yeah, I, I think he does because he's he's raced in he's raced in uh, the Italian Formula Four series as well and acquitted himself very well. Um, and I mean the standard there is probably um, I would suspect uh, a little little higher than even the one in the UK. You know. He's got the same couple of drivers that that will be his 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 threat in in Formula Four in the UK, but on, on the continent it, it it's a bigger gene pool, and he quits himself quite well. And I, I think he does. I think if he gets the right support, um, he's certain he's certainly uh, a star for the future. I believe, yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, in a lot of these situations, it does come down to money and all that. So you're hoping, I suppose, in time, if an opportunity presents itself, that there is financial backing behind it, because you know, all you got to do is look at F1 now, and unfortunately, over the last couple of years, and for many years, I suppose, there's a few duds there. They have the few Bob, haven't got much talent. You know, don't like Zana, but it's true, like. So, yeah, well, look, money money is a massive thing. You know, at the end of the day, look, anyone that can get an F1 car around around a track, you know, and, and, and the, the immediate guys that you think of when, when you say your Latifis and your um uh, Mazepins or whatever else. Now the money helps, but the you know the money the money doesn't do much when you're actually in the car. It gets you into the car, but the, them lads are still won't races. So it's not that 
I wouldn't say they're duds. I'd say they're, I'd say just by, you know, they're probably very, very good racing drivers, but they should be exceptionally, you know, otherworldly level of racing drivers in F1. So um, they've all won in their junior career. Um, money helps, but it doesn't it doesn't turn the steering wheel at the end of the day, you know. Um, but no, in, in Alex's case, just to, to go back to your point, it's definitely, you know, money is massive. The, the, you know, we should talk about this some stage on, on maybe another podcast, but the cost of doing junior series racing is just phenomenal. It's like it's scary how expensive it is. You're you're talking half a million quid to do British F4 or something, you know. It's just yeah. obscene. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is unnecessary, to be honest, you know. Um, but and that's that's the first rank of the ladder. So yeah, the average guy doesn't have that sort of money. So you're looking for investors and teams, and even the even the you know the academy programs that the teams all kind of sing and shout about aren't what they're made out to be. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors, you know. I, my, my understanding of the Ferrari Academy is it's a quarter of a million you have to give them every year to join it. So um, it's not it's not just as it's as it's portrayed normally. Like it's. It's 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 real, uh, yeah. It's it's it's, it's real cloak and dagger and smoke and mirrors type of thing, you know. Unfortunately, but look, Alex has definitely got got so you know you can't say for sure because as the as the as the level as the junior levels go up, you know, you get different bunch of challenges that you know can driver can excel in or you know can struggle with. So it's hard to say. F four is obviously you know one of the first steps on the ladder, but I mean the last person that dominated f4 to the state that alex is at the moment british f4 that is is george russell so there's obviously something there to, to, and that's not that long ago you know that's whatever it is six seven years ago that he would have done that so um yeah the, it, it looks good for alex at the moment once he can get the backing good stuff well the very best luck to the chap um okay right so we've had whatever three or four weeks of a gap there's a lot, a lot of stuff after happening in the last three or four weeks a lot of guys ended up with uh, penalties, I suppose. Well, teams took the penalties, didn't they? Like to, to make their their changes, and you know the the back of the grid was was as tasty as the front of the grid there uh, from the get go. But I thought today in Belgium the start was was electric. There was, there was so much going on. Obviously, we had a an incident uh, very very early on. But uh, yeah, like let, let let's start from there. The first thing I noticed, and I was actually going to text yourself and, and Richie at the time, Barry in the group was. If you look at the angle of which Perez pointed his car on the grid, okay, he's yeah. still in between the white line. He's pointing over to where he wants to cut across straight away, but it backfired horribly. Yeah, I mean, I think he gave away a potential, I don't know, he probably wouldn't have bet for Stappen in the case, but he ended up fifth, I think, coming out of the first corner. And I think that's just pure driving mistake, to be honest. I mean, um, I can understand the slight angle of the car to let it leave the line at a slight angle toward, you know, so that the trajectory is towards the wall. That that's fine. Um, because what he's trying to do there is just pre point the car in that direction. Um, his mistake was that once he started doing it, he started turning the wheel at the same time, which just induces wheel spin effectively. I mean, to take it back to real basics, if you've got some, some, some young lad in a, Corolla or a BMW or something, a rear wheel drive yoke, he wants to do a donut. What's the first thing he does? He turns the wheels and lets the clutch out, you know, and plenty of revs and it starts going around. Like, so if if you have the, the, the wheel is trying to push the car, the rear wheels are trying to push the car forward. It's easier to push the back of it left or right if you induce that little bit of rotation by turning the steering wheel. So um, that's why he would have lined it up at an angle so that he didn't have to turn the steering wheel. 
So we could just literally drive straight. Okay, it's dissecting the track, but the car, as far as the car is concerned, is just driving in a straight line, um, diagonally in a straight line, if you're with me across the track. Um, but what he did was, as well as that, he induced a steering lock. And then that's just going to create that little bit of, uh, it's going to let the back of the car slip left or right whichever way it's easier um and and that's exactly what happened and he ended up just going going backwards off the line as a result so the lining it up a bit crooked makes sense but the turning the wheel when you're trying to put a thousand horsepower through relatively cold rear tires on the spa circle i don't know whether you notice but it's got little grooves cut across it every inch and a half if you look at the tarmac up close and they're doing the, the pit walkabout for drainage so it doesn't look much, but every two inches there's maybe a ten, five mil gap. So obviously there's less actual tarmac touching the touching the ground. Uh, um, it's like a treaded road, if you like, you know, in terms of uh, a surface. So yeah. there's less uh, le- less tarmac. So it's already slippy to start with. So I think that was that was a you know just a crucial error on on Perez's part to to try and turn the turn the wheel while he was still in the early acceleration phase, and ultimately it meant he came out of the first corner and whatever it was fourth or fifth. So there's that part of it, and then there's obviously you know the opportunist in Alonso, and he kind of succumbs to a bit of a tip with Mister Hamilton, which was fairly obvious even in in real time that Hamilton was at fault for this. Like, and I actually should really grab the quote uh, from what Alonso said, and if we have a second or two, I will flick back because I think I want the voice put up in another <coughs> F one WhatsApp group. So he said, "Yeah, yeah, what an idiot." Closing the door from the outside. I mean, we'd uh, no, sorry, but yeah, we'd a mega start. But this guy, I know, is how to drive and start in first. It's fairly, fairly heavy of him. Um, and then we'll back this up. Brundle call it fairly right, and Crofty comes in straight away, and he's like, "Oh, well, he has done for 103 times." It's like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, David. God forbid anyone would say one bad fucking word about fucking Lewis Hamilton. Jesus, he's an incredible driver. We know that. But, like, he's not beyond blame either. Do you know? Like, that's right. how I interpreted it. And maybe I'm getting this wrong. But it's just like, just fucking leave it off for one day. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I did, I did notice that. Yeah. Say that just again? Before we came on air, Killis Gully was on and they were talking about spatial awareness. And for some reason, Hamilton's little um, foray sort of sprung to mind, to be quite honest. Uh, <laughs> Like, yeah, it was it, it, it was crazy. I mean, the, the fact of the matter was, though, that uh, he absolutely let Perez out of jail by doing that because he gifted him back second spot on the track. Yeah, true, true, true. It was, it, it, it was, I don't know, it's, the problem nowadays is you can't say anything about any driver and all of a sudden you're just anti them, whatever it is. And I've said before, I, I I don't know any of them. I'm not going for beer with any of them. I don't know. I don't really care. But they're, they're you know, in Hamilton's case, there that he does seem to get himself into potentially more of these incidents than 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 many others do. Considering that he spent so long just driving away from the field that he's probably been exposed to them less. So, um, in general numbers, but. Yeah, I think there. He, he, I know he said afterwards he took the blame, which is admirable, you know, which is is yeah. good. We need people to do that and say take the blame where where it's due. Um, but he he said something about you know I was in my blind spot or or something. But he didn't just appear there. I mean, he was driving around the outside of Alonso into I think it's called Stavolo, whatever that corner is, or not, it's not Stavolo, is it? Yeah. Which one? Yeah. Anyway, the, the, at the end of the camel, the right hander. Yeah. It isn't known overtaking position. Um. He knew Alonso was on his right hand side somewhere, 
like blind spot is you know a lad driving down the road you don't see him at all but th- he knew he was there he just passed him like three seconds earlier or got alongside him at least so you know if you're not sure exactly where he is give a bit of extra room if anything not none at all so i don't really that cuts as a as, a, as an excuse to be honest i think he just went for the apex and hoped that alonso would get out of it and use the blind spot as a bit of a, a cover story afterwards but he paid the price and he's out of racing what's wrong with a straightforward apology it's just like don't, don't even take the blind spot just say i did it i thought like you know then i know racing drivers don't do that right but it seems more prevalent nowadays anyway that when someone is involved in an incident like this, it's always someone else's fault. And there's a fierce culture with that with, with teenagers now. Anyway, and you would be, I suppose, I suppose down through the years is always like that with teenagers. But when you're looking up at these role models and this is what they are offering out, that's normalizing it as well. Do you know? Yeah. But I don't want to sound like I'm hammering the hammer here, but in fairness to him, he does an awful lot of good stuff as well. Incredible yeah. amount of good stuff away from the track and all that. The other uh, thing to take into account is whenever they're interviewed a lot of the time and whatever they say on the radio, just discount it instantly because it's adrenaline and you know they're they're not they're, they don't have a full sight of what's going on. But I know from my own experience and stuff, you can have a memory of something that has happened on the track to you minutes previous, and then you watch it back and it's a totally different version of yeah. how you remember it. So yeah. you know, a lot of the time you if they get a if they get a mic put in their face before they have a chance to actually watch it back, um, their memory of it and what actually happened is could be two different things. I think in a, in a Hamilton's case, he did see it back and probably realised he'd he'd know where to go there in that, in that one. Only to take the responsibility. Mike, because yeah. imagine if I was going to say, because imagine if you had those microphones on the likes of Hunt and characters like that years ago. Jeez, you get some content, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> It's... <laughs> probably, yeah. You know what though? They probably wouldn't have had the same incidents because there was a different. There was a different. Um, when it happened, you would have got some commentary, but there was a different kind of ethos to the race and then because they could get, they could kill each other at the end of the day, you know. So I think there was, you know, they wouldn't turn in blindly for fear of being upside down and fire, like you know. So it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I'd say when it did happen, though, it'd be fairly, uh, it'd be fairly colorful. <laughs> yeah, Senna and Prost, like that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, you were going to say I something, Mike, and I caught across you there. Sorry. No, no. It, it's I suppose it's just the the when you when you get to the end of the race and you look back and you look at the manufacturer's points at the end of the race and you actually understand if you're taught a wolf this evening, you're actually very very unhappy with Lewis Hamilton, regardless of what you say in public, because uh, the points that he just threw away there today, they're like they're breathing down Ferrari's neck in every way they can right now, and he like. That moment of madness from a multiple world champion, quite honest, which I don't think any team manager would find it acceptable. I don't know what, what, what you think about it, Barry, but I wouldn't, as a team manager, I'd be definitely discussing that with him. Yeah, I, I, I think there's, I mean, as you said, Mike, the, the, the points the points are the, are the most important thing. And he threw away potentially another, what, if you would have got, say, fourth which would you know probably what another 15 points something like that for the t- for the team which could have a massive difference um a bigger difference of course because i would have negated some of uh leclerc's points in the end you know so it would have been open the gap even more or close the gap even more that is yeah. so yeah i mean yeah he, I'm, I'm sure hamilton gets a, gets you know any world champion at that level probably doesn't get the same level of ire from their uh, team manager, but I'm sure it's I'm sure it's there somewhere in the background at the very very least. 
and uh, Tolo will be looking in going, didn't really need to do that um, mm. at that point. So, yeah, it's it, it, they did throw away the points for sure. That could be the difference between second and the championship or not. Mm-hmm. Next thing up, in fairness, I was really, really surprised this at the time, but a lot of people wouldn't find it surprising, but how quickly Max was just gaining places and, and maintaining all that as well. It's phenomenal, lads, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's they, they they took all these penalties at Spa for a reason because you can pass at Spa. Um, and, you know, align that with, obviously, Max's ability um, and the sheer pace advantage that the Red Bull had was phenomenal this weekend. I mean, that's probably the biggest talking point or biggest takeaway point from the whole weekend is um, the Ferrari and the Red Bull have been you know, basically give or take the same sort of pace all season. It ebbed and flowed a little bit and and then sometimes to be better, want to be better in the race and the qualifying and vice versa. But this weekend at Spa, the, the Red Bull just took a march on, on yeah. the Ferrari in, in every which way. And I think that's the, the big point to take from it. So, yeah, it's, you know, and if you watch Verstappen's first lap back, it was actually relatively safe if you like you know he didn't take any massive chances he backed out of one or two and um, because he knew he had that pace in his pocket um but yeah i mean it's yeah it's it's a great result but you know we do have to take into account that he's 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 got different equipment to everybody else it's like the you know it's like the hamilton brazil last year where everyone was you know falling about themselves because he came from last on the grid to to to, to win um you know, it's not a fair fight. It's not a driver's fight at that point. It's, a, you know, the team and the car. So, you know, likewise, that's, you know, Verstappen was on the right side of it today. He, he had a car that was just so much faster than everyone else's on the grid. And um, he made it look very easy, which it wasn't. But it was relative, a little bit easier by the fact that he had that, that advantage. Mm-hmm. I like your chassis apparently coming as well. I'm after reading there. So... Interesting. Um, Barry, I know you're not a big man on, on stats and facts and figures. You find a little bit of nine, I think, from from a previous time I went down this route. But in fairness to Sean Kelly, he does produce pretty good ones for the Formula mm-hmm. 1 website. And uh, there's a couple that, that stood out. Red Bull had only won one race in their history from outside the top six prior to Hungary. Now they've done it twice in a row. Today is the lowest winning grid position in Red Bull's F1 history. Uh, another standout one thought was very interesting. Verstappen's ninth win of the year means he is only one short of the 10 that he scored in all of 2021. And we have, how many have we got left, lads? Just looking at it. Like, there's uh, eight, eight, some eight, going. Eight. Yeah, tail of two seasons, really, like I suppose. But, um, yeah, uh, I know we have another bit on the run order that we can we can flick down through whatever, but it might be an opportune time to flick down through the driver standings because I want to put a bit of colour and context on that. Mike, you've touched on the constructors there in, in particular, but having one today, Max is now on 284, Perez is on 191, Leclerc is on 186, Science on 171, and George Russell on 170. Constructors, Red Bull 475, Ferrari 357, and Mercedes 316. And, you know, backs up what you were saying about Hamilton and his misdemeanor today are, you know, they're getting a bit closer. But then there's a huge gap then after that back to Alpine, who, and we'll pick it up from here, are, you know, would it be fair to say they're, they're near enough maxing out on, on what they're kind of capable of and have done quite regularly this season, yeah? Mike? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I suppose you, you'd go very close to calling them the best of the rest, wouldn't you? Um, mm. 
I think, you know, um, you look at their performance over the last three or four races in particular, they've been in the mix, they've, they've been there, uh, they've, they've raced very intelligently as well. Okay, maybe one or two occasions with, with swapping out a hard tyre the last time didn't go their way. But um, if you look at, I mean, we, we, we we're all drawn to Alonso because of his flamboyance and his driving ability and everything else. But if you actually look at the job that Ocon is doing, it's it's phenomenal. He's, he he is like steady Eddie in every sense of the of the word, and he's quick. I mean, I think he had the overtake today. He certainly did, as far as I was concerned. When he took uh, was it Ricardo and Vettel, he took the pair of them in the one move. It was fantastic, you know. Um, he, they're definitely a very good team, and whoever whoever gets that 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 seat that that's up for grabs um, should count themselves quite lucky. Particularly if they're coming from down the grid and moving up, should count the themselves seat, quite lucky. The it's, seat that no one wants, ironically, it seems. It's the seat that no it's one crazy, wants. It's crazy, isn't it? It's they're crazy. All away from it. Yeah, it's, and, and it's a team that's really going in the right direction. You can see that the reliability is there as well. You know, it's 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 coming. You know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting to see. I, I, I don't think we covered that the whole uh, driver shenanigans that's been going on since the last race. But it's delve into it a little bit there because there, there has been a few happenings and goings on. I mean, it'll take a whole podcast on its own. But I don't know where we picked up. <laughs> Obviously, the quick fire was uh, Vettel announced his retirement, which created yeah. a a bit of a vacuum that Alonso jumped into to fill to in in terms of taking his seat at Aston Martin. Uh, he in turn created a spare seat then in Alpine that everyone presumed that Piastri was going to jump into. Oh, yeah, this is where we left and, off the last time, yeah, yeah. And then Piastri came out very quickly and says, I'm not driving for you, even though he's a funded my entire junior career. Um, and announced uh, it publicly, <laughs> yeah, announced it on Twitter, said, I'm not driving for you. Everyone said, Well, if he's not driving for Alpine, that means he must be driving for McLaren. And all attention then turned to McLaren. It was like, you know, everyone just they just kept taking the advantage, you know, mm-hmm. if that's happening and it's that happening over there, and that means that's mm-hmm. happening over there. You know, within a couple of moves, it was basically everyone was looking at Ricardo and going, hi, hey, you're fired, basically, you know, because mm-hmm. this is all after working itself out, only one way possible. Um, mm-hmm. And that's ultimately where we've ended up, except the last piece of the puzzle to fall into place is that they haven't officially announced well, I don't think that McLaren have an officially announced Piastri yet as the driver. They said that Ricardo is te- is part of mm. company, um. So I mean, that's just going to happen. And then, yeah, who who's going to drive the the sec- the, the Alonso uh, bound car that he mm. turned his nose up to, and that Piastri has turned his nose up to. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's talk of it being of being uh, Gasly to make it an all French team, but Gasly and Ocon hate each other. So yeah. there's uh. Yeah, that won't be just you know too um, easy either. The 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 arbitration or the court hearing on the whole situation with Piastri is actually tomorrow. That's right. The so, the contracts recognition board, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So so depending on the result of that, we might before the week is out, we might have a better idea of where that sits. But believe it or not, um, Mick Schumacher's name was mentioned in passing it for Alpine as well, and it was interesting that Gunther in an interview. Today, uh, on the pit wall, refused to confirm whether or not Mick would race for Haas next year. He's at the end of his contract this season anyway. But um, like, if you look at the job Mick is actually doing, even look at him today, I mean, he, he's, he's very close to what Kevin Magnussen is doing there at the moment. And he drove reasonably well today at times as well. So it's 
and I know that his his drive is he when he entered Haas he was it was it was kind of Haas picked up a big sponsor but they wanted a German driver and that was how that all came about at the time so um, just interesting to see where how that one pans out but I wouldn't begrudge Mick Schumacher a, a, a drive in a faster car right now to be honest with you I think the, particularly the last six or eight races he's he's shown a bit a, a bit of metal and that he's going in the right direction as well so it's be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, talks with Ricardo to Haas as well. Actually, as it turns out, you know, it's worth it's worth putting out there. Uh, Jesus, could could Haas handle another character like Gunter? Because like Ricardo is, you know, I find him likable. I know some guys think he's a bit of a knob, but I think he's saying he's gas crack. He's good fun, and I think if he doesn't, if he's, you know, if he doesn't get a seat and he's not involved as a pundit, I think F one is at a great loss because he is a character, isn't he? Like, yeah, I mean. I think is there a is there a p- potential that it's you know street angel house devil with uh, Ricardo that you know he puts on he put uh, I'm starting to hear and read things that are pointing in that direction that you know he might not just be a smiley and happy go lucky and team oriented that it that he at first appears to be um you know if you look at it logically and I'm I would be a you know he's a, yeah he's a likable character um but again as I said you know that's not how I I've no real interest in that and not how I write them. Um, if if you come at it from a point of view that he he had he had a seat with Red Bull, they were happy to keep him. Red Bull were never going to be a nobody team. They'd, they're, they you know they're one they're, they're, they're always going to bounce back. They Adrian Newey designs their car. The most the most winningest designer in F one history designs their car. They've got the budget that most teams could only wish for. You know, Christian Horner, like him or not, is a great team manager. He's he left Red Bull by his own volition, basically because he ran away from a fight with Verstappen, you know, or from a fight from Verstappen ultimately. And he didn't leave Red Bull to go to Mercedes or go to Ferrari, he left to go to ultimately a lesser team in Renault, um, but made a commitment that he was going to you know see it true and you know we're all in this together lads cashed in his reportedly 40 million quid check over two years and then left them just as quickly to go to mclaren Um, another sideways move was getting similar sort of money at mclaren and like realistically hasn't done the job at all there to to any extent um so i don't know how high his stock is going to be really um i don't know whether anyone will, will want to take him on um and if they don't i, I can't see alpine taking them um because of you know that there would have been there would have been issues there from why he left in the first place um yeah. plus his stock is down you know but no matter what yeah. way you dice it his stock is down at the yeah. moment they've other options i would have thought um yeah. they're going to look for money from him let's be honest yeah or someone to bring money off the back of him because of his, yeah. his name yeah. um the other yeah. thing as well is is that my understanding of how these things work, but I know when Raikkonen had a similar situation that they ba- he got paid out of his contract with Ferrari in 2010, I believe it was, that the deal was that if he drove for another team, he lost the money that Ferrari were due to pay him. So it gets a little bit of comp- complicated there. I mean, Ricardo's probably going to get about $15 million to not drive to McLaren next year. If he takes another drive, he loses that. Mm-hmm. Now... Is he going to lose that money? This, I haven't seen the contract, of course, but this seems to be a fairly standard sort of set, setup. Um, <laughs> is he going to 
take a drive with Haas for lesser money and potentially lose a big chunk of that. As I've had enough, I'm out here. I'm gone and gone lay with that. And when he's walking, the door's open, there's moths flying in, so I'll be back there in a second. <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna leave and um and 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 go to Haas just to keep himself in F one because I think if he goes, he won't get back in. I think that's the reality at the moment. But some you know, there's a bit of me kind of says, Well, Danny, you might have yourself to blame in all this because you had it you had the plum seat with Red Bull and you ran away from it. And yes. you know, you have the few quid in the bank and nobody can deny you that and well done for that. But you know, you, you take your chances and this is where he's ended up. So wouldn't have a, a massive amount of sympathy for him if he loses out and he's not in the grid next year. Uh, might just make way for someone else. Yeah. Is it fair to say, good. Mike, like that? And it's funny because the missus is only chatting about this yesterday inside that, like, since he left Red Bull, in her opinion, over his own ego, uh, and money, in my opinion, obviously, that it, it, it has grossly backfired. I mean, you know, let's like, we can't really forget there was a big issue with engines that time as well that Renault were providing to Red Bull. And in a way, you know, here's a big conspiracy theory now. But a lot of people would have viewed it as a kind of a, a fuck you. You know, going over there and getting the money, the engine's like, what? Why would you have made that move in the first place? You're there in a car like that that was only going to get better. You know, it's just, I don't know, it is. Well, it, I, suppose, I, I think I think your mistress is probably closer to the mark. I think it was more to do with his ego, Kev, because um, he wanted to be the number one driver. And it was as clear as the nose on his face that when, when Max showed up and showed what he was going to do, he was going to he was not going to be number one driver for Red Bull. Absolutely not. And and as Barry says, uh, and and I agree with Barry, he ran away from that fight because he he quickly saw there was a there was a difference between what what Max was going to do in the car and what he was doing. Uh, and so to go to Renault as it was as the number one driver, it kind of appeased his ego a little. Yeah, I think so. And like the thing about it is, Mike, he could have been number any, you know, number one driver is the guy who's quickest. It's not predetermined, you know. You want to be number one driver, you'll be the quickest. And you don't you worry, the team will turn around and follow you quick enough. Like so, um, yeah. yeah, I just think he, he, he knew for whatever reason that he wasn't you, you gotta take in, into account as well. If he's if he's looking at Verstappen and let's just say in his head he goes, I'm two tenths off him, he needs to go to a team that's at least two tenths quicker to get back on a level playing field. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. why you see a lot of these guys will move team and join somewhere else. But that was never going to be Renault. That's that's for sure. So I think you know the the uh, stay in Red Bull and hope that Max has a few bad races over the course. You know the the Nico Rosberg angle of it, which is you know Nico wasn't as quick as Hamilton. Probably admit that himself. But he outworked him one year, had a little bit of luck, and won a world championship. Um, yeah. You know, and maybe that might have happened to Ricardo, it, it, you know, in a, in a Max Verstappen Red Bull team. Um, and he might have pinched his world championship, realized how lucky he was, and said thanks and good luck. Um, but he didn't want that fight, as Mike says, he just didn't want it. He, he, he went elsewhere and took, took the money. And yeah, maybe the you know, number one driver status was important to him. So, look, he, he's engineered himself between that and just let's be honest he's not driving fast enough, which is a pretty big problem for an F1 driver at the end of the day. So if he's, you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's walked himself out of a job and um, the only place he's going to get picked is he might get a, there might be some sort of a uh, a security net in Haas or Williams or something like that um, that might just 
he might be able to do up here, guys, Pierre Gasly on it and just hang around just enough, get a couple of results and then bounce back. But um I think there's an inherent problem in the the, the, the in the cars that just don't suit him. So I think he's I think he's out one way or the other. It's just either this year or next. We're back to the elephant in the room, lads. Ferrari strategies. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna go into it in great detail, but well, Mike, like what what in your opinion is, is going on there, man? Like it's it's bizarre, isn't it? Seriously, seriously, it's P45 time for the whole strategy team, isn't it? It was, it was different races ago, but I mean, uh, even yesterday, before we got to the race today, even yesterday in qualifying, uh, you know, they, they messed around so badly with Leclerc in that run, and then they decided that we're going to get Leclerc to give Sainz a run uh, to punch the air for him to get him to make sure he could keep secure Paul. Sainz virtually had to call it, call everything down, waiting for Leclerc to come around and for, come out and get in and get back out. They sent Leclerc out a new rubber just so he could punch a hole up all rouge for him. Like, I mean, <laughs> with all due respect, lads, I mean, it just it didn't add up. And, you know, um, they're just not at the races. They're, they're just calling it wrong everywhere. And again, again, even today, early enough in the race, OK, we got we got the safety car. Like the first thing they'd done was put Leclerc straight back after he'd made some gains. He was sitting a couple of gearboxes behind Max, and they were punching and punching away through the midfield. And they they took the option then to bring him in, and and you know swap the tires, put on a set of tires under the safety car, let him back out. And you can clearly see like they they did not enter their head to maybe match what Max was doing, and and they just to try and live with Max and stay in the game a bit longer. Like the tires had done nothing, there were two laps in or whatever it was. It it didn't. It just it just crazy. There was the, not to, not to not to give them an excuse, Mike. But I don't know. You mm. mightn't have seen there was there was a re, they pulled them in early on the safety car because they had a brake issue, um, yeah. a smoke yeah. issue, right. which which, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but they seemed to to be fairly happy to jump jump at it very quick. I thought you know they didn't yeah. kind of study yeah. it and see if it was going to be a problem, yeah. but mm-hmm. and it turned out that 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 actually might have had a problem, might have had a bearing on the um the speed limit infringement, pit line speed yeah. infringement at the end of the race because the, the yeah. it, it messed up one of their that that basically what happened mm-hmm. was that a, um a tear off Pfizer off potentially Max Verstappen of course um yeah. on the first <laughs> lap blocked the brake dust brake duct which yeah. overheated the front right, which prompted them to do that pit stop to 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 put a set of tires on and inspect what was causing it, which they subsequently found to be the 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 tear off, removed the tear off, but they believe I think Bernardo mentioned that um it messed up one of the speed sensors. So mm-hmm. when Leclerc came in to do his pit stop later in the race for the fastest lap, um that the speed sensor control didn't work and hence he, he broke the speed limit. Um so yeah, but it's just a I mean, but even that, Barry, even that, Barry, like that, the window in which they decided to bring him in, put on a set of softs and try and get him the fastest lap. Like they didn't even get him out in front of Alonso, and and then and you know and then and then ultimately he he, fifth place was his if they hadn't have done that, right? And ultimately, not only did he not get that fastest lap, but he coughed up fifth place as well. Yeah, he risked like he risked two points for one point kind of thing. The risk reward was all yeah. it was all all wrong. And, and one of the stops, yeah. I can't remember, was it science? I think it might have been science earlier in the race. It must have been because Leclerc did the stop on their safety, as you said. Um, they stopped them. I won't say early, but completely within their own control to try and stop the undercut from Red Bull. Um, mm. But they put them right out back behind 
was it was it uh, Albon maybe in the Williams? They put him. They 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 did the yeah. stop. The stop went more or less to time, and mm. they put him back out into traffic when yeah. they were under under attack from a Red Bull undercut. Um, okay. like the, their software can work that out instantly. If you pit now, he'll come out here, and yeah. they put him out into traffic like you know, which is just nuts. And then of course the undercut took effect. It would have happened anyway, but it just mm-hmm. seems so obvious. They're going. Oh, he left him another lap. He'd have just got ahead of that gaggle and not spent a lap trying to get past. I think it was Albon. I could be wrong. Someone further back. Yeah, he was following a stream of six cars, and, and all of them were able to open the rear wing and stay ahead of him. Like, and it was you're just wondering, like, where where is the where is the lateral lateral thinking here? It's just. It's I don't just think there is. We've touched on this before, lads. I think it's just they're just terrified, and they're just they, they just we heard them again. Plan D again today. Plan yeah. D. About, like, that was early in the race as well. I know it's like lap three, it we're plan D, like... lads. We have there's they've more plans than they have laps. Like it's just yeah, it's, it's but the denial of it and everything. I know you, you, we touch on it from like uh, an anxiety point of view or whatever. But it's borderline North Korea stuff, lads. Like sort of <laughs> the, the North Koreans would tell people their own people that have to win the World Cup and all, and and get them to clap and do all this mad <laughs> shit. That's what it's like there, like it's, Kim Jong Un is head of strategy and cold hard facts are there in everyone's face. Don't be trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. Stevie Wonder can see it. It is horrendous. Just sort yeah. it out, like it's you know like I mean? the lad they kept wheeling out in the Iraq war there and kept saying everything was fine, you know, and the buildings were burning behind them. And he's like, No, 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 oh, it's all grand, there's no issue, everything's all right, we're winning. Yeah, <laughs> no bother here, lads. Yeah, nothing to yeah. see, move on. But yeah. it's it's desperately disappointing. Uh, I mean, Nick, I, I don't know if you're as, as big a Ferrari fan as as Richie is. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I I love I love Ferrari as well. It's it's heartbreaking to see it. You know, I mean, obviously from a reliability point of view, they've had issues this year. Yeah, but then take that buzzword out of it as well. Like they've cost themselves so many points and all of this. Like you know, um, we've got to talk about Leclerc as. Is anyone going to stop him? I think we did it at one of our earlier podcasts. Like, Jesus, who's who's going to catch this lad? Maybe two or three episodes in or two or three races in. And you look at the points differential now, and it's just mad that it's just the, the irony this being, route, like, the answer to the question, who's going to stop him, we never thought would be Ferrari. Yeah. Who's going to stop the Ferrari number one driver from winning the championship? <laughs> Ferrari. Yeah. That's ultimately yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. They've done everything. They've they've created a fast car. Politically, they seem to be fairly consistent, which is a big deal for Ferrari. You know, they they're ticking off the big, the big, the big ticket items, and then they're just screwing up the stuff that's you know should just happen. Like non-negotiables, I suppose. That, yeah. You know, um, you're only as, it's only as strong as your weakest link at the end of the day, and that's definitely their weakest link at the moment by a long shot. I actually need to go back and listen to, I think Zach Brown was on the High Performance Podcast and they did one with Toto before and they did one with Christian Horner before and they're epic listens just to get into the psyche of, of the two lads. And I know Christian's done a good few of these, but it's just, it's mad the way, the way they think and how natural it is and to deal with the level of stress and pressure that, that they're under and to do so seamlessly. Like I'd say, Horner must be big into meditation and stuff because he's always just so zen and nothing ever really seems to phase him. He's just like, you know, even if there is inner chaos, it's just so cal- calm. Outright. Well, isn't, 
isn't this it though? Like without without the time, like some people people are just wired different, you know. It's mm-hmm. he, he could just be one of those people that you know. He's like you, you often hear that that there's there's people that are good in an emergency and there's people that aren't good in an emergency, and it's it's just it's just hardwired into you, you know. And you know, I'm sure I'm sure there's a you know like any any person in the world they've got your pros column and your cons column, you know, and it's just whether they they suit the application that you find yourself in and. Yeah, I think in in Horner's case, he but you see, Horner's a racer too. Like he come, he 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 raced up to F three thousand himself. Mm-hmm. To today's F two, um, reasonably competitively. I mean, he was probably never going to get F. We got an F one test with Lotus in the early nineties. So he's he probably does look at it a lot simpler in terms of you know motor racing isn't that complicated when you bring it down to its to, to, to its core function you know we all start at the same time and whoever gets to the end first it's probably one of the easiest sports in the world to define you know you're not there like you know diving where it's you know so many scores out of 10 multiplied by a difficulty factor and and anyone that watches it from the outside sees someone spinning in the air and hitting the water like it's 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 very black and white you start here and whoever gets to the end is the winner so you know, maybe when you come from a racing background, you don't overcomplicate it, and you just take it as as what it is. Ferrari is a political animal. You know, it's it's a a massive big thing. There's gives all sorts of mitigating factors there that add layers and layers and layers of complications yeah. to it. Um, and you know, it's you got to remember, it's it's the national team of Italy. Yeah. You know, it's it's like their football team. You know, and they 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 close ranks very quick and and everybody is just goes into ass covering mode, um as opposed to being a kind of a free, free, tempered, free minded kind of race team where you just go let's just try to win the race lads do the best job we can, um yeah the culture is there isn't it, that, yeah that culture is there it has that been fear culture all the way. yeah their culture um you know Horner has the luxury of looking left and right and looking at a team of people as well that have been there and done it with him time after time again. And as you say, like Ad- who, who will ever surpass what Adrian Newey has done around Formula One? You know, and he has the luxury of looking there and, and knowing, but these guys have been here, they know where it's at. It's not, they're not panicking. I don't need to panic. There's a solution here. We just have to work it out. You know, um, mm. that culture yeah. is slightly different in Ferrari. It's, you know, the world must never see them as being, as, as messing up or being failures and as Barry says they live in such fear of that that that's what they're now doing yeah, yeah. you fail before you even started when, when you have that yeah. mindset like you know as we kind of we mentioned before that's another thing actually Adrian Newey's book is supposed to be pretty good uh, How to Build an F1 Car not to read that I'm, part I'm, I'm halfway through it for the second time so it's, yeah. it's in my, my little my little, uh, little library yeah it's a great book well a, compl- a completely different note but there is some parallels because a lot of sports people have used it to their advantage. The Chimp Paradox is a great book as well. Uh, I'm not big on the reading. I'm only going back into it lately and it's great. Too much feckin' screen time is ridiculous. But just all about like, you know, the way you have, I suppose, fact-based line of thinking and then uh, is it your limbic, the limbic part of the brain they call the chimp, which is the emotional side of it. And how the two of them were actually competing together the whole time. So, like, just say, right, there's a jersey up on the wall, and, oh, geez, that jersey's up on the wall. Oh, that's that's a jersey. That that means, but the jersey's just on the wall. It's kind of like <laughs> the event and what you take from it. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I it's just, it's it's two things competing at the one time. and But it feeds into performance so much. 
it's unbelievable because if you can just always bring it back to the fact, just really, really good book. Uh, if you can get your what's get it your called again? Give us the name again, Kevin. The the Chimp Paradox. I'll put yeah. on, I, I, I'll, I'll be on Amazon at some stage. I'll put it in me in me basket. Oh, it's, it's class, absolutely yeah, class. Um, I think we're near the end of our uh, review, lads. I don't know if there's much more to add. We didn't actually talk uh, much about the race itself. I don't like to, to, to be fair. <laughs> it's typical yeah. F1, though, isn't it? There's so much going on around the track, but like it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the classic, despite the the, the mixed up grids. You know, it, you know, it did. It had its moments. It, it certainly wasn't the classic. I think we probably touched on the the the, the main points. But at the end of the day, you know, for stopping one of from 14th with just a colossal show of pace, um, you know, Latifi spun out. So standard enough start of Grand Prix, I think, really. I think yeah. I think one guy that benefited from all of the, um, the 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 penalties and the grid penalties around qualifying that put him in a great place was Alex Albon, and I actually think he drove really really well today to keep the car in the points. I mean, he was under tremendous pressure there towards the end of the race, and I, I thought I thought he deserved he deserved some credit for for the way he equipped right. himself today. And not only that, my they 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 pitted early every time. So that yeah. they would kind of jump ahead of those ahead around them, and then yeah. defend that position, as opposed yeah. to trying and aggressively get ahead of them. They knew where they were yeah. strong. They're a very slippery car, yeah. which yeah. is you know, cold word for not much downforce basically, because one mm -hmm. comes at the expense of the other. So they had a very yeah. slippery car, which would work well at Spa. So they were able to recognize that, bring them in early, get them out ahead of a few people, slow them up, and hold them up for. As long as possible, it might get them lately, but it impinged, it impacted their race time, um, and uh, yeah, and and then like you said, he hung, he he hung on. I mean, he qualified, was it sixth? I think yeah. it's, it's something like that, or he ended up sixth at least. But it was, um, yeah. I mean, he's another one. I mean, he's the, you know, he he had the rough time at Red Bull, and he kind of came out, and he almost got out of it, out of it, and he's 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 hung on. So maybe to to bring a full circle, that's what Ricardo needs to do. He needs to go back and do an Alex Albon, um, or do a Pierre Gasly, and you know bounce back down a level or two and reestablish himself, um, and show what he what he actually can do. I think the problem with Ricardo is, I'm not sure he can because at the end of the day, he's just not he hasn't got the pace at the moment. Either that or, or Norris is just on, we know he's good, but maybe he's just on an absolute other level. But it's hard to see that, you know, Ricardo was, what, six, seven tenths off Norris, but he was two or three tenths off Verstappen. So I don't think in any world Norris could be four tenths quicker than Verstappen if you no. extrapolate it out. So um, it's, it'll be just the cars and everything. But time will tell. Time will tell. Indeed. Fair play to Alex Alvin. That's the second time I think this year he's finished in the in the points. Possibly third, but definitely at least twice. Um, so good going. Uh next week, obviously, we've got the, the Dutch Grand Prix. Uh I won't see a whole lot of it, lads. The electric picnic is on. I'd say a lot of people won't see it. Uh now there is a Heineken tent. I wonder because Heineken Zero are so involved with the F1, would they any chance have it up? Uh, I know the last time I was there, uh the All Ireland final was on and like so it was really should have been a big screen electric picnic for fucking honor and finally. Jesus, everyone was going to be looking at it. Maybe not you, Barry, but everyone else probably be looking at it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but like there was not there was an AIB kind of area and they had it on there and everyone flocked to it and they closed it off. Obviously, they were getting worried about a crowd or whatever, and everyone just started getting taken and tearing down the fence. Actually, like train wreck on Netflix there at the moment. <laughs> have you seen that, lads? That's another yeah. recommendation. Yeah. Actually, all together. 
Yeah. Um, but Woodstock '99, yeah, mm-hmm. class, absolutely class. Ripped the whole thing so, down. But so yeah, you're one. Know. Sorry, just just to summarize your story, then the, the last time you were at Electric Picnic, they did show it in a certain area, and the place got ripped apart. And you're wondering why they're not showing it at Electric Picnic, right? Is, is that, <laughs> yeah. is that <laughs> because like, let's you know, I, I'm sitting in a shed here, it's about two meters by two meters. We show it there, and you know, the word won't get out. And then 300 people would try to get into this shed. Or there's a football pitch about 400 metres up there. Maybe up put there. it on there where everyone else can handle it. And nothing will get ripped down. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm only slagging. Uh, I know how to crack. Uh, <laughs> I don't know... Going Grand Prix. Who's going to back against them? I, it could be Ferrari land. It could, it, 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 the, the, well, I don't know. Has, has Red Bull... Taking a march on Ferrari in the off season, they have as as spies, or is it just the nature of the spa circuit? I think you know. There's a chance that Ferrari will come back for Zandvoort should suit Ferrari, iron and ironically, Monza should suit Red Bull, which is the exact opposite that both of them probably want being the, the Dutch or Verstappen Grand Prix and the Italian Grand Prix for Ferrari. But um, I don't know. I think I think there's a chance that it might Ferrari might come back at them. Unless maybe Red Bull have found something in in the summer break, which in theory they're not supposed to, because they're supposed to shut the whole place down. But you know, we'll see. It'll, it'll be a rapid fire a couple of weeks. It yeah. will. Uh, I can confirm one thing: we won't be late next Sunday night, lads. Probably won't be late next Monday night either. It's uh, we might hold off until the uh, might hold off until uh, Tuesday and three weekends in a row is Grand Prix, I think, because uh, yeah, off to Italy the week after, I think. So that's right. Yeah, maybe. We might we might call it we might call it for for Tuesday week for uh for the next program but um yeah so we're at the 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 AOB part of uh of the program anyone want to add anything else before we finish her up? I just like to say thanks for uh, giving us the nod lads I've, I've enjoyed the chat really was good crack thank you cool, yeah man, well done Mike nice good good, uh, in. good insights um it's uh, yeah it was great to have you on board for a play you might call in again at some stage Mike will you oh yeah you never never say never. Good man, good man. And obviously, uh, Richie, get well soon. Good man. Take a handy in that morphine. <laughs> <laughs> Lads, thanks a million. Appreciate it. Take Cheers. care. Mike and Barry. Uh, just shout out to our sponsors as well. PFT Travel. Care for all your transport requirements from a private minibus to our luxury air-conditioned coaches. We've got a perfect solution for you. Traveling comfort driving style. PFT Travel. Contact MJ on 87 or email pfarreltransport at yahoo.com. You can also find them on Facebook at pfarreltransport. Name it as show to Rapco as well. So that's where we leave it. Probably back Tuesday week, I'd say. Uh, audio's going up on Spotify and Apple and all those places in the next five or ten minutes for that. And uh, yeah, if you're enjoying the coverage, we have a Buy Me a Coffee link. You can support our efforts for the price of a coffee. If you don't want it, that's fine too. We'll keep putting the content out there. We enjoy it. It's a bit of crack. And that's what it's all about. Until next time, take care.